We're no longer in First Peter, we are in Christmas. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the gift of Christmas. And this morning, the title of this morning's message is A Gift Worth Giving. And uh, we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. You know, when it comes to gifts given at Christmas, you know what? God started it all. God started it when he gave us the gift of his son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, no one can top that gift. That's where Christmas began, was with the gift that God gave us and his son. But a close second is uh, the wise men who came and brought gifts to Jesus early on in his life. And so I want us to look at that this morning um, in verses 1 through 12. So reading from Matthew. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembled and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star, star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that, had, that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Who are these wise men? They come from the east. Uh, They most likely come from the area of Persia, what what is known today as Iraq, and... uh, probably Babylon. And, you know, a lot of people um, say that the, the Magi, or these wise men, 
were pagan astrologers. Now, they definitely were into astrology. They knew, they, they studied the stars, and they were constantly looking at the stars. But I want to submit this morning that these weren't pagans. I believe these magi, these wise men, were um, Jewish converts. And they knew God. They knew Old Testament scripture. And they didn't discover this on their own. They came to know who God is because of the grace of God. You know, if you go back to uh, the book of Daniel, God's grace to the Persian, the Babylonian people began when the, the, the nation of Judah was exiled to Babylon. And we studied the book of Daniel here recently. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar took uh, uh, Judah's finest uh, young boys and put them in uh, his, his court, his, his court to uh, um, be part of his uh, entourage and, and be of wise counsel to him. But uh, they brought a lot of Jews from Jerusalem to Babylon. And when they brought the Jews to Babylon, you know what? They also brought the sacred texts. They brought people who knew God. And, and they, they knew who Daniel was. Daniel was uh, very famous among the people of Persia and Babylon. And uh, they saw his faithfulness to God's covenant promises. And this spoke volumes to the people. And so here we see in Matthew chapter 2, the, the grace of God to these um, to these wise men. Um, God was communicating with these astrologers, these, what I believe are Jewish believers as well, they, God was communicating to them in their own context, and he was speaking to them in their own language, the stars, but also the word of God. And God put both of these things together to help them see what he was doing among them in history. Um, you know, other aspects that they would have known that, uh, that uh, the God was, the, the one and true God was the God of the Jews, is if you go to the book of Esther, and you read the book of Esther, and Queen Esther... Uh, when God spared the life of the Jewish people, uh, in, in Esther chapter 8, uh, verse 17, it says that many people in that land uh, believed in the God of Israel. Also, how did these wise men come to know that this was the time that the Christ child would come on the scene? Well, going back to the book of Daniel, I believe the Magi were very familiar with Daniel's prophecy. And Daniel's prophecy in particular of the 70 weeks in Daniel chapter chapter 9. They were very familiar with Persian Babylonian history. They were well aware of the fact that 
uh, Daniel spoke of 70 weeks, and that after King Darius, Darius's decree, approximately 483 years would transpire before the star would rise. And so here they are, looking at history, looking at Daniel's prophecy, and they know that they are in the time zone of what the Word of God has said. And so I want you to go to uh, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Again, I believe these magi were very familiar with the Old Testament. And in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, we have uh, Balaam's prophecy. And Balaam says this, and he's he's prophesying against the people of Moab. But he says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. The Magi are looking for a star. And they see a star rise in the east. And they believe this is prophetic of God's son, this child, born of a virgin. They're, they're, they're familiar with Isaiah's prophecies as well. Born of a virgin coming upon the scene. And so here these wise men come to um, Herod in chapter 2 of Matthew. And where they ask the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They're looking for a baby. This baby who is king of the Jews. And not only is he Israel's king, the Jews' king, he is the Magi's king as well. They know Scripture. And so when they come, I want you to see two things in this text. Number one, they're they're coming they're coming to give their gift personally they're personally giving their gift and they've come a long ways to give this gift i mean they made a huge sacrifice uh, babylon if 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 we're thinking that they came from babylon babylon to jerusalem if you google it it's 900 miles That's a straight line as a crow flies. But if you were to drive from Babylon to Jerusalem, it would be approximately 1,700 miles. Now, I'm not saying there were roads in those days that would have taken over 1,700 miles, but uh, it was going to take a long time. They had to walk, they had to journey a long ways to get to Babylon. This was a sacrifice. And not only were they giving the, the gifts to, to baby Jesus, but the gifts 
we're also in the, sacri- the, in the, in the walking and getting there, the, 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 the sacrifice of going. This was important as well, but they wanted to come personally to worship uh, the, the Lord Jesus, their king. <clears throat> you know, this is important for us, church, at this Christmas season. It's important that we choose to worship personally. We're not just here to worship on our parents' coattails, um, but if we're truly going to worship the living God, it's got to come from our heart. It's got to come personally from each one of us, and that's what God would have us do. And so here we see these mad, mad, the, these magi, these wise men. Um, personally uh, giving their gifts, personally worshiping their God. But not only did they personally um, give their gifts, but what they gave was appropriate. They knew who they were giving these gifts to. And they knew what was going to be most appropriate that would be ascribed to his nature and character of who they knew this baby to be. Um, the Bible says that for, the first gift was the gift of gold. Now, gold represents kingship. It represents divinity. Uh, if you go back to Daniel chapter 3, um, idols were most often made of gold. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of of, of gold. I, we don't know if it was an image of himself or of a god that he was he worshipped that was uh, most important to him, but it was an image of gold. Um, and also, when you go to the Old Testament, um, the most holy place, the holy of holies, the inner sanctuary of the temple, there was a great deal of gold involved in that inner sanctuary. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 6. 1 Kings chapter 6. And let's look at some of what was in this um, holy place. Beginning with verse 20. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high. And Solomon overlaid it with pure gold. He also overlaid an altar of cedar. And Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold. And he drew chains of gold across in front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. And he overlaid the whole house with gold until all the house was finished. Also the whole altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary, he overlaid it with gold. Why was he overlaying all these things with gold? Because gold represented divinity. Look at the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus chapter 25. Turn to Exodus chapter 25. 
want to read verses 10 through 17. They shall make an ark of acacia wood, two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and the cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold inside and outside. You shall, shall you overlay it. And you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet. Two rings on one side of it and two rings on the other side. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark, and they shall be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give to you. You shall make them a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work shall you make them, and on the two ends of the mercy seat. So you get the idea. The holy of holies, everything that was made, all, all the furniture that was in the holy of holies, everything was overlaid with gold. And gold symbolized divinity. Gold symbolized uh, the, 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 the measure, the worth of who God is, because it is, the, it is the costliest element, the most important element of everything that we mind is, is gold. And this symbolizes divinity, and here is one wise man bringing gold, knowing whom he is bringing this gold to, the Christ child. God Almighty in flesh. Then we see frankincense. Frankincense is an aromatic gum resin that burned as incense. It it was expensive. Uh, the common pers- person uh, could n- could no way afford this as a air freshener. It was meant for uh, temple worship. And here we see uh, in Scripture the burning of incense at the altar. It was a key part of the sacrificial system. And again, frankincense represented deity. Look at Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, verses 34 through 38. Verse 34, the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacti or or stacked, and onica and galbanon, sweet spices with pure frankincense of each there shall be equal parts and make incense blended as by the perfumer seasoned with salt pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put 
part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you, and the incense that you shall make according to its composition you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord, whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. I just wonder if this was the exact uh, recipe of the gift that the wise men gave to to baby Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 2. It's a fragrant aroma that is meant solely for the Lord, for worship of him. And then we see the third gift being myrrh. Myrrh, what is myrrh? Myrrh is a fragrant spice derived from the sap of a tree native to the Near East. And again, we see myrrh um, associated with the temple. Look at Exodus chapter 30. I should have told you to keep your finger in Exodus for a little while. Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 30. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer, and it it shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its sand. You shall consecrate them and they shall, and they may be, that they may be most holy. Whoever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate, consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people, This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. And so here we see this myrrh, this anointing oil, being sprinkled about, over all the instruments, including the altar of sacrifice. And so these magi are bringing gold, frankincense, and then myrrh, knowing that myrrh is going to be part of the anointing of the the sacred sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was it was myrrh that um, in John chapter nineteen Turn to John chapter 19. Thirty-nine and forty. Nicodemus 
also who earlier had come to Jesus by night came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. And so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. So here we see Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus with the body of Jesus before the tomb is sealed. They wrap Jesus and use these, these, uh, this anointing oil, this embalming oil of myrrh um, in preparing the body of Jesus. These wise men are not pagan astrologers. They know exactly who this child is. He's the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is God. He is worthy of our worship. And one day, he is, he is going to be sacrificed for the sins of the world, for their sins, for our sins. I believe with all my heart that the wise men were very familiar with Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah was a prophet to to the Jews about 150 years before Daniel. Those sacred texts came with the Jews in exile to Babylon. They were familiar with Isaiah chapter 53, and they knew what this baby, who this baby is, and what he came to do. And so here we, have, here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about these very memorable gifts. We all know the wise men, and we all know that what they gave to Jesus, and we've been, talk, been talking about them ever since. And these were grace gifts. These were gifts that couldn't be repaid. They weren't expecting, the wise men weren't expecting anything in return. They just came all this, this great distance and just gave to this family and to this this little boy. Not only did they give their gifts, they gave themselves. You know, the Bible says when they saw the Christ child, they fell down and they worshipped him. The one that they had been anticipating all these years was now in their very presence. It was worth the sacrifice. Their gift was a gift of grace. Their gift was immeasurable. It was priceless. In in the short time I have left, I just want to talk about gift giving in... um, not only in this holiday season, but gift giving that will 
that will last a lifetime, that will be memorable um, to, to the ones that you give a gift to, and will be a gift of grace. It's not something, it, it's, it's, a, it's a gift that is priceless. What are some of those gifts? I want to encourage you to be thinking about priceless gifts. People, people who are special in your life that uh, you want to appreciate, you want to acknowledge um, what they have meant in, in your life. And it's the kind of gift that they won't be able to repay. It's a gift of grace. And, uh, you know, when it comes to gifts of grace that are priceless, that are, that are priceless, you know, our son Kyle has that down pat. <laughs> and Susan laughs because she knows what I'm talking about. And my kids know what they're talking about. You know, when it comes to um, um, giving a gift to their mother, the kids, you know, they, they'll brainstorm what uh, they'd like to, to give to Susan. And uh, they'll all pitch in for this gift. But uh, we have one, one child in the, in the family who does, don't, doesn't have the kind of income the, that the rest of his siblings have. And they'll go to Kyle and they'll say, uh, Kyle, this is what we want to give uh, mom for Christmas or birthday or whatever. And uh, he'll say, well, I can't afford that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write her something. And he has a way with words. And, uh, you know, instead of pitching in for a gift, he'll just write his mother a letter. And when... He writes his mother a letter. His mother is a puddle of tears. And most often, we're we're all a puddle of tears uh, when Susan reads that letter. And, uh, and, uh, you know, his siblings, I'm not sure they appreciate it as much. Because they know it's going to cost them a little bit more to get them the gift that they want to get for their mother. Whereas Kyle, you know, it doesn't cost him a dime. But uh, other than time. But I want you to know that that gift of grace that comes from... And he's not just writing this because he can't afford a gift. He's writing this because it comes from his heart. And that gift is, those words are priceless to his mother. And uh, yes, the gifts the kids get their mom, they, she uses them, they, she appreciates them. But she files those letters away. And... Uh, she has the opportunity to be blessed over and over again. Each one of those letters are priceless to her. It's 
It's a gift of grace. And so I just want to encourage you. And I'm not just talking about the holiday season right now, okay? I'm talking about a gift that you can give any time of the year. But who is there in your life that you can give a gift of grace to? That is priceless. That will mean the world to them. I want to just encourage you to take the opportunity. It'll take some time. It'll be the sacrifice of time. But what can you do to let somebody else know what you think about them? How much they mean to you? That, that will be a gift that will be priceless to them. Another gift of grace is togetherness. Don't ever take that for granted. And protect that time of togetherness. Because you never know when you're not going to have it again. You know, when I married Susan, before we had kids, she would, she would say over and over and over again how important Sundays were to her as a family. Because every Sunday after church, they would go to her grandma's house in Esalon and uh, they, would, they would have family lunches together. And they would pick asparagus every Sunday afternoon and have asparagus on the... She tells that story every time we serve, she serves asparagus at our house. She has to talk about her grandma's house. But that is a gift that is priceless to her. And she has worked hard to to create that memory for her family. And so every Sunday afternoon, whoever's in town in our family, it's important that we get together and have lunch together. And she, we are making memories of togetherness, family togetherness that's going to last a lifetime. It is priceless. You can't put a dollar amount on that. And maybe you're here in Ridgecrest and your kids have grown and they're gone. Well, you can still make memories of togetherness with some other people. You know, I would, before we had kids, when we were in San Bernardino and we were two and three hundred miles away from family, um, Kevin and Joanne Gherkins became dear friends to us. They became family to us. And even though thousands of miles separate us today, we can get together and we can act as if we haven't missed a moment. Because of that togetherness that we had created um, as friends. 
And so find opportunities to create togetherness with others. That, that is a priceless gift that will speak volumes. What's another gift, grace gift, we can give somebody? The gift of service. What's something that you could do for someone else that they can't do for themselves? Again, I'm not just talking about Christmas, but any time during the year. Who's hurting? Who, who can you come alongside with and help them with a need? You know, someone who's really good at that in my life is Matt Cropley. And I'm glad you're here this morning, Matt. He has the gift of service. And he's been blessing in my life. You know, another person in this room who's uh, been a blessing to another family in our church, Doug Cole. You know, there's been a need um, with family. Um, Chuck and Jamie, they've they come to our Monday night uh, supper. Uh, Chuck stood up um, Sunday night at uh, the Thanksgiving service and just was so thankful for this church and the blessing that uh, we have been to them. But for the most part, it's been Doug Cole who's uh, been helping with, with needs. But active service. We can all do that with someone in our life. Who can you give that gift to? Another gift? A gift of a godly heritage. I'm grateful for the godly heritage in my life. You know, this, this last Mother's Day, my mom was able to share uh, Mother's Day with the family. And um, she wanted to say something at the table. She talked about how when she was a young mom, and uh, my dad was still a Catholic at this time. They were, um, hadn't been married but just a few years. And my dad would go to the Catholic church and my mom would go by herself with children to the Baptist church. And, um, you know, she wanted, she wanted to raise her children to walk with God, to know God. And um, as we were having lunch, she just talked about the fact that God answered that prayer. God given her three beautiful children. My dad came to know the Lord just a few years later and, and uh, started attending the Baptist church with us as well. I remember um, my dad walking in the aisle, and that was uh, just a big moment in the church and the whole church celebrated 
But she talked about the fact that um, you know all her three kids were all walking with Jesus, and how you can't put a price tag on that. But not only were her kids walking with Jesus, but her grandkids, all of her grandkids, knew the knew the Lord and were walking with Jesus. That's a godly heritage. You can't put a price tag on that. And mom and dad, if you want that kind of godly heritage, you can't send your kids to church. you got to take them to church. You have to be the example. And for a lot of the blessings in my personal life, were my grandparents who were those examples to um, us kids. My brother and I, my brother's in the service this morning, right over here, Ricky and his wife Judy. By the way, uh, they're going to be buying a house in Ridgecrest and and staying here part-time. So uh, don't believe any any of the stories he has to say about me, okay? But uh, the gift of grace, a godly heritage. You just pray for those kids. You pray for those grandkids. That God will will reveal himself to them. Just as God revealed himself to the wise men in a foreign land. Growing up under pagan influence. But knew the scriptures, believed the scriptures, and went and found this Christ child and worshipped at his feet. And then the last gift of grace is the forever gift. The gift of salvation in somebody else's life. And no, we can't give them that gift. We can only testify to that gift. We can only encourage them to receive that gift church, we need to be telling others the good news. And if people are going to be receptive to the good news, oftentimes we have to build those relationships, those bridges of relationship, in order to be able to share with them the good news of Christ. You know what? As you give gifts of grace, the gift of your time, you know, acts of service, togetherness. God's going to create those moments where you can share your testimony, your faith. And that's the greatest gift you can give someone else. And let me just encourage you. Um, February 7 through 9 is quickly coming up. It's our... Um, it's our evangelism crusade we're going to hold in our community. Eighteen churches so far have committed to participating in this event. It's going to be at the Kermit Center. I want to encourage you to begin thinking about that one lost person who needs to know Jesus, that God has put on your heart, that you have a burden for. What's a gift that you can give them in advance? 
that will help build that relationship, that will encourage them to come with you to the crusade, or maybe even be given the opportunity before the crusade to share the good news of Christ. That's why God's put us here. We've been talking about the gifts the Magi gave the the Christ child Jesus for the last 2,000 years. But God has gift that He wants you to give somebody else. Not just this holiday season, but throughout the year. What might that gift be? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this supernatural story in the Magi whom I firmly believe were God-fearers, saw the sign, knew what the Scripture said, and brought the kinds of gifts that were appropriate to this Christ child. They gave them personally. And there were gifts that were priceless. That couldn't be repaid back. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see those around us whom we need to appreciate, that we need to love on, that we need to build a relationship with and share the good news of your love that you have for them, just like you have for us. In the quietness of this moment, can you ask the Lord, God, who might that be? God, who do you want me to give a gift of grace to in the days ahead? My friend, obey that voice. Father, thank you for the Christmas season and the example that you set in giving us your Son, Christ. Followed by the wise men's gifts that they gave to Jesus. Lord, thank you, Father, for The news that we have been entrusted with help us not to keep it to ourselves, but being faithful and sharing it and showing it to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.